Visioneers and welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're starting a brand new series of businesses that are coming out of this recession and doing it successfully. And our guest this week, well, she may be autonomous here at the farm, but she's definitely not alone. This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're going to learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Hello, Visioneers, and welcome to Small Business Celebration. And our guest today is Meredith Bell, the owner of Autonomy Farms. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you so much. For Visioneers who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? So my name is Meredith Bell. Um, I am the owner of Autonomy Farms, and we're a small local organic farm located outside of Bakersfield, California. For Visioneers who may recall, we had a guest a few weeks ago by the name of Jessica Pounds. She's the owner of Moog Creamery. And I've said this off camera more than one, on more than one occasion, that the most interesting conversations happen when the camera is turned off. And one of those conversations that Jessica had for us was the very interesting story about her beef supplier and how that revolutionized not only Moog Creamery's business, but also the talents of a fledgling farmer and that farmer is our guest today. <laughs> yeah. Tell Visioneer Nation how you how you became the, the vendor for Moo Creamery and then how all that just escalated from there. Yeah well it's kind of funny so my um, background actually isn't in farming. I okay. didn't grow up in farming um, and so I actually did sales and marketing in the food and beverage industry um, mm -hmm. and I did that for about 10 years mm -hmm. and got kind of jaded or burnt out for lack of a better term sure, um, sure. and knew I wanted to do something different, knew mm -hmm. I wanted to touch people and inspire people through food. I just didn't really know what that meant and in okay. what context um, and eventually, you know, kind of found my way and my path through farming. Um, so when I started the farm, I was very adamant that I was only going to sell to restaurants because that was my background. That's what I was familiar with. Um, and I knew that there was the volume that you could um, create with, you know, a, a, with the with the products that we had in Bakersfield, there wasn't a huge supply of it. Right. Um, so I immediately, one of the first restaurants I hit up was Moo Creamery. Um, and that was because, you know, I knew the owners were younger. It was a newer restaurant that they were also trying to make a change in Bakersfield. So, you know, at that time, it was nearly six years ago, right. Bakersfield still really only had a lot of chain restaurants. I mean, we, we obviously have like our small mom and pops. We didn't right. have any farm to table restaurants. Right. Um, and right. Jessica was starting to really create that trend here. Um, and so automatically that was my beeline, like go to Jessica. She's the ideal client. She's the ideal client. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, we, you know, knew each other from a long time before and our, our moms knew each other. Um, and so, you know, I went out to her and she's like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've been looking for. This is exactly what we've needed. And then she told me their demand and I was like, <laughs> and there was the problem. And there was the problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, you know, I think any small business, when you're starting, you have all these, you know, you're, you're super eager and you're all gun ho and you're like, yeah, 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 we can do it. We can do it. Sure. And then you get into it and you're like, oh wait, maybe I can't do that. Maybe right. I can't supply 
that much meat for mm. what their demand is. And but you couldn't at the I, time. I couldn't. Yeah, there was no way. Right. Um, but we found a way that she was able to support me and the products that we had to say, okay, let's put on specials. Let's run weekly specials and let's do, you know, these like flights and bites menus. Um, so she was able to incorporate our products without me not having anything else to be able to sell to anyone else. That, and you'll notice Visionary Nation, we are here on the farm for Autonomy Farms. And so if you hear chickens and <laughs> geese and, and turkeys clucking around, yes, we are here on the farm. But that was the key, is that's how all this got started. Yeah. Was because of, of Jessica and Moog Creamery. So much I think of any brand or business mm -hmm. is um, finding people that have, or finding other corporations that have their own brand that support you because it adds credibility. Right. So that was automatically what was a huge turning point for us locally here in Bakersfield was that, well, if Jessica from Moo likes her product, like I should really try it, you know? Right. And, and sure. in her own right, like I, she probably would say she's not, but she's definitely an influencer. Sure. And so when you have an influencer, you know, supporting somebody else, that obviously is, helps build up, you know, our product. But having one customer isn't enough. No, <laughs> yeah. You got to the point where there are only so many restaurants mm -hmm. that you could supply to, and then this little pesky recession came along. What happened? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I, I at one point I got to the, you know, I got to a, a, a time where I had realized that I couldn't sustain the business just on restaurant sales alone, right, right. Um, that they were great because of the volume, but you also have to sell things at a lower margin. So right. we were losing a lot of that margin. And so I, you know, started farmer's markets. I started a little bit of online sales, a little bit of deliveries, which I didn't love doing. Right. Um, but I had, you know, had diversified the business and diversified my revenue streams. Um, and so when the recession hit and all of the restaurants closed, I immediately lost almost half of my revenue. Wow. And I was like a deer in headlights, you sure, know, how like automatically. Yeah, exactly. like, right. like ever, you know, like right. so many people. Um, and all of a sudden, before I knew it, all of the online sales took off. So all of the shipping orders, the deliveries, and basically all of the business that I lost from the restaurant automatically just shifted directly to consumer base, which mind you is way harder, like <laughs> okay. way, way harder. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I mean, just imagine like when you're selling cases of products to right. restaurants and you're interacting with one person and it's 10 cases of a product and it's, they're considered pars, right? So they get right. the same order every single week. Right. There's very, very minimal communication. Right. Um, whereas, and it's easy. And it's easy. Right. Well, I mean, like once you get it going, right. it's very easy. Right. And depending on the chef and the restaurateur, it's right. very right. easy, right. but, um, but yeah, I mean with obviously with you know, direct sales to consumers, it's harder. And, um, you know, part of our business model is recognizing that people support, you know, small local farms because it's emotional for them, right. whether it's because of their health or because of their family or because they're worried about the environment or w whatever it is, it's an emotional decision. Right. So inevitably when they're talking to you, that emotion comes through. And so what we really saw at the beginning of the recession was people were already emotional about their food, right. then they were emotional because of everything else. Right. And we felt a lot of that emotion. Wow. And so, you know, our stress levels obviously skyrocketed because um, we took on a lot of that stress. Like, right. and I think a lot of it's just trying not to disappoint people. Right. Um, and also, you know, from a business standpoint, being like, how can I not mess this up? Like I have <laughs> this amazing, incredible opportunity in right. front of me right now that I have all these customers that, 
have never shopped from a local farm, have never bought meat online, have sure. never had any meat shipped to them. Doesn't all meat come in a styrofoam tin that you get from <laughs> from the right. grocery store? Right. I mean, it's literally those. I mean, it was so many of those conversations right. and so much of it in the beginning was the education. Um, and so those first couple of months was it was hard, right. um, you know, and a lot of it is so much time and energy spent with one customer. Right. Um, and so, you know, once you get people educated and they kind of understand the process, then it gets a lot easier. Sure. But when all of a sudden you have, you know, I mean, there was literally probably 4,000 customers that we just got inundated. I had to shut wow. down the website. It was just... It, <laughs> it's a good problem to have. It, wa it was and it wasn't. It right. didn't, I, I didn't love the way that it went down in the sense of like, I would have loved to been able to give the customers the time that they deserved and the right. time that they needed. Um, but between, you know, just us not having the staff and, and quite frankly, not having the product, you know, like right. I am still small. So like right. when you go from zero to a hundred overnight, you can't just produce animals that way. Sure. <laughs> like it doesn't work like that. So, but you've also done something that in today's economy, we hear over and over and over again is subscription, subscription, yeah. subscription, yeah. subscription. And so many businesses have a hard time be going to a subscription-based model, and there's a lot of back, back planning, lots mm -hmm. of thought. It's not just something that's, let's change the website and hit subscribe, and right. it's a piece <laughs> of cake. And you just mentioned that with your, with your farm, animals don't come out of thin air. You, you actually have to you know, feed and nurture and grow them, as it were. Yep. What, it, very, in a very simplistic way, how did you, evolve your business into the subscription model that allows you to keep those orders going and be mindful to your customers so that you don't crash the site again yeah. and you're able to listen and pay attention and, and provide a quality product for your customers. You know, one of the things I found uh, once, you know, the recession hit was that um, we had too many offerings. Mm. So I had always, you know, I mean, one of the things that I had kind of used to differentiate ourselves from, you know, where people can buy meat from a grocery store was that they can get unique cuts from us that they wouldn't be able to get from a grocery store because it's not an efficient cut. I mean, it was nice, right? Because people come back. So like, I've never heard of this cut. I've never had it. I've right. never seen it. Or, oh my gosh, I've seen that at a restaurant, but I've never been able to find it at a grocery store. Um, so that was one of the things that we specialized in, which was great until the pandemic happened. And then I realized by having so much variety, I was spending so much time in the freezer packing individual orders. Right. Um, and I think it was also really overwhelming to people. Um, you know, like I think in general, the, everyone in the world was kind of spiraling and the, the, the least amount of decisions they had to make, the easier it was. Right. And so what I quickly realized was like, okay, I just need to create simple, basic, boxes that people don't have to think about. Like right. they can do it once. They get their two cuts of chicken, two cuts of it. meat, uh, you know, pork, two cuts of yeah. beef. And, and know they're that good. they're gonna have meat in their freezer and they're gonna be able to feed their family. Right. And I think at that point, and even still today, like people just don't wanna make any more decisions in their life, right? So if it's one less thing to think about and it's done and it shows up on the doorstep once a month or every other month, whatever they choose, right. then it's there. Right. Um, and because it's so easy, they don't cancel because it's just there. There it is. And it's things that they use. Like it's it's all basic items. Right. So it's not things people are going to say, well, I don't I don't know how to cook that or I don't know how to use that. It's right. all like very standard cuts. We're now starting to come out of the recession. Mm -hmm. And some industries are coming out of it faster than others. Yeah. For a lot of people, 
this is the first recession they've ever been through. And so it's, it was hard enough dealing with a recession and trying to figure out how to cut costs and, and that sort of thing. Coming out of a recession is equally challenging because you don't want to grow too quickly or make the wrong choices and, and, and flip the ship. Yeah. as it were. What are you doing here at Autonomy Farms to help grow out of this recession and do it profitably? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in general, I have always run the business trying not to overspend, you know, what our revenue streams are. Um, and I think it's so easy once you start to become profitable to the money comes in and it comes out. Right. Like it's going and all of a sudden you start spending money on things that you may not necessarily need, but because right. you have it, it just goes. Right. Um, and so I've always been kind of, you know, ultra aware of that. And obviously as your business grows, you do have extra expenditures. But I think one of the things that, you know, I, I'm focusing on most at this point is saying like, my business was able to operate <clears throat> off of X amount of you know fixed costs and X amount of variable costs each month. And while my business may do this, those aren't going to change. Mm. And so that extra money now I can bank away instead of spending it. And so I can say, I'm not changing my variable costs. I'm not changing my fixed costs. Like I know that I can operate with this minimal staff now and do this much revenue because I was forced to. So why would I go back to the way I operated, which may have been inefficient? In other words, you read an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. If visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, so we do have a website, okay. which is autonomyfarms.com. Okay. Um, so we have our online store there. Uh, you can also shoot us an email to info at Autonomy Farms. Uh, we're pretty active on social media, although I am taking a little bit of hiatus through sure. the election, <laughs> um, just for my own sanity. Sure. But yeah, we'll be back on social media come November. Well, at this point, who knows, but after November. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When we come back, we're going to talk about the marketing of the farm and we're going to talk about the marketing of the product and more specifically how to do it in the socially distant economy when we come right back now that we've entered the fourth quarter of 2020 and the economic indicators seem to be rebounding is your balance sheet saying otherwise what are you going to do who are you going to turn to Turn to a real human being that has your business interests at heart. Turn to Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors, where a real human being will guide you with real-world expertise and a proven track record that will get your business numbers back on track. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield-ca and get your numbers up. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield-ca today. We're here with Meredith Bell, the owner of Autonomy Farms, and we have a question from Visioner Nation. Visioner Mark asks, when building a business in an industry that is highly competitive with products that seem very similar to each other, other than traditional avenues through marketing and individual customer relations, what are you doing to make your business stand up? 
That's a great question. And it's a, it's a hard one for sure. I think any small business owner or any business in general um, has to address that and has to figure out how they're going to differentiate themselves. So, you know, for me and, and what I really did was I took a step back and said, well, why, why are people going to choose my product? Mm. Like what, what is making somebody decide that they're going to buy my product versus another product? Right. Um, and like the obvious answer is, well, people need to eat, right? And I'm providing right. food, but right. that's not why they they're buying. The they can go store. to the grocery store, right? right? right. So people are, are buying my product and supporting for me because for them, and it's a, a, an emotional decision, which we touched on earlier. Right. So then the key is, how do you touch into that emotion? How mm. do you tap into that? And so, you know, you you look at somebody and say like, is this because you've had some kind of illness and then how can we help guide you through this process right. or is it because you're expecting a baby and now you want to get really healthy or you have children and you want to set them up for, for success in their life right. um, so I think at the end of the day it's looking at your product or your service that you're offering and then looking at the customer and saying well what is it exactly that they are looking for or how can I fulfill that specific emotional need to them Give us an insight on what makes Autonomy Farms different than the meat that you can go down and get out of the cellophane wrapper at the grocery store. <laughs> well, that's an easy, I mean, that's pretty, very, very different. That's not apples to apples by any right. means. But yeah, I mean, so, so much of the product that we're providing is um, obviously naturally raised. So organic, grass fed, um, raised on pasture. And you know, I always tell people, because of the fact that I'm not a farmer, I don't think like a farmer. Mm. I think very, you know, unconventionally. And so everything that I do, people look at and said, well, that was the way it was done in, you know, the early 1900s. Right. And, you know, like that's just not efficient. And right. I'm like, well, it may not be efficient, but try my product and try your product. Right. And which one tastes better? Right. Which one makes you feel better from the standpoint of your health, from the standpoint of the environment, from, you know, just the way it makes your body actually feel. And so when you start comparing that side by side, then people obviously, it, it, it makes it a more realistic comparison. One of the other things about what you're doing here is, well, first of all, you're autonomous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're going against the grain. Yeah. And that's the, ergo, the name of the farm. Yeah. But you had also mentioned in the first segment about listening to your customer. Mm -hmm. Here we are in a different location here at Autonomy Farms. And where we're standing is in a floodplain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as you might expect, <laughs> there was a flood. Very dramatic. <laughs> but this is very key and very important because that flood forced you to make a change and listen to your customer that provided, proved to be very beneficial for your business. What happened? Yeah, so um, I had been farming for about two years, had just bought this property and literally was getting ready to harvest our very first crop and was completely flooded out. So mm. I started the farm as a vegetable farm. Oh. You know, I imagined myself, you know, prancing through the vegetable rows and picking, <laughs> you know, the veggies out of the ground and eating them and the baskets of bounty, you know, like that whole deal. Right. Um, and it didn't you know, work out that way. It didn't work out that way <laughs> at all by any means. Um, but yeah, when the farm flooded, I quickly realized, well, I can't just sit on this land for six months. I mean, I was literally under two to three feet of water wow. um, and it was all street runoff. And so all of my crops were gone. Then I had to go through the process of amending the soil and testing the soil to make sure that contaminants hadn't come on, you know, food safety, kind of everything that went with it. Sure. And I looked at it and I was like, well, I, I don't have, 
the cash because I just bought this property and, right. and went all in and all my capital expenditures. So I was like, I don't have the cash sitting in the bank anymore to just ride this wave. Right. Um, so I was like, well, I can start raising some more chickens. And I had done a little bit of chicken, but mm -hmm. it wasn't by any means any kind of, it was like 1% of my business. Right, it's mostly beef at that point. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and but chickens you can get them in eight weeks right. you know and so i was like great let me do this and i you know started kicking out chickens and you know had them at farmer's market and the next thing you know people were like this is the best chicken i've ever had and i was like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> like i'm not a chicken farmer let me tell you like that's not the way this goes um you know and so as it went on it i mean this went on for about two years and i started to have some really like high-end chefs you know obviously jessica pounds from moo but you know people that chefs that have Michelin star restaurants that are big, huge name, famous chefs that were like, this is amazing. Like you should really do this. And again, I fought it. And then finally was like, you know what, what am I doing? Like right. I have a product that people are demanding right now. And it's not the product that I imagine myself growing or being, you know, a farmer in, but at the end of the day, it gets me to my end goal, right. which was being able to connect people back to their food source. Um, and you know, it was about a year and a half ago that I finally decided that I was going to go all in on the chickens and it was the best decision that I ever made. So, I mean, it not only from a standpoint made me financially sustainable from the farm and gives me the opportunity to really, you know, invest in other things and look forward to the future. Right. Um, but it also fills, you know, my own soul and, and what I really wanted to do with this farm to begin with. Sometimes listening to your customer can be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Just take the long way around sometimes. <laughs> exactly. One of the other things that's special about your farm here is that you started off your career, like you mentioned, not intending to be a farmer. But you started off in the marketing world. Mm -hmm. You started off doing event planning and food and beverage and marketing and sales and all that sort of thing. And the reason we're here in this part of the farm is you don't see a lot of, of crops growing. You don't see a lot of chickens and turkeys running around. Why is this part of the farm different than the rest of it? So this is our event space. Um, okay. So this is where we actually hold weddings and events and dinners. So, so much of, you know, what I wanted to be able to do when I started farming was connecting people back to their food source. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to do that, I wanted to provide an area where people could congregate and I could say, come out and collect your CSAs, come out and let's do farm to table dinners. Like mm. let's create a community of people at the farm um, because I think that's what people really miss. You know, they miss getting together and having like-minded people around. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, this was kind of my answer to that. Um, so it's been a great asset to the farm. And I think for me, it gives me the opportunity to help to continue to educate people, which is, you know, when you're trying to introduce people to the difference of, you know, what really like naturally raised meat is versus grocery store, having the space to be able to say like, here it is, here's how it should be raised. Here's how you vision it. How, here's right. how you imagine it. Right. Um, but it's the real deal here. And if you wanted to have a wedding. Yeah, yeah. if you want to have a wedding or an event, you can do it out here. And when, when, the, when the restrictions from COVID get lifted, I'm sure this, event, this space will get widely used once again. Yep, yeah, I'm excited for it. <laughs> when we come back, we're gonna talk about how to, be, how to market your business, because that is one thing Meredith has done very well at and something we all can learn from when we come right back. 
Imagine you've worked, you struggled, you've toiled with your business, and then suddenly one day out of the blue, a flood comes in and wipes out your entire business. Well, Meredith said that I was big, overly dramatic, but has this ever happened to you? Have you worked in your business so hard only to seemingly have it wiped out in a moment's notice? Well, you're not alone. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why I started Small Business Celebration is to let you know that you're not alone. And we'd love to hear your story about you overcoming struggles. So go ahead and reach out to us on social media, whether it be on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram and let us know about your story. We want to hear from you on how you have overcome diversity to grow a strong and profitable business. We're here with Meredith Bell, the owner of Autonomy Farms. You have a very different way of getting into farming yeah. than most people. Yeah. And there, there's the old saying that says in, in, in sales and marketing that you want to be one chapter ahead of your client. And you are very much in the food, beverage, sales and marketing business. Why farming? <laughs> and I, I get asked that question all the time. And sometimes I'm like, I still don't know. But no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I... I had love I love food I have a huge passion for food it's you know I so much of my life revolves around it and I'd gotten to a point in my career that I wasn't necessarily feeling fulfilled in that specific career but knew I wanted to somehow stay involved in food mm -hmm. um, considered going back to grad school and actually I started to apply to some schools and um, talk to some different people and they were very honest with me, which was great. And they just said, you know what, for what you're looking for and for what your passion is and even your personality, that's, this is probably not the right path for you. And I look back on it and I think like, that was probably some of the best advice I was given because you know, I would have gone to grad school and I would have been banging my head against the wall with you know, bureaucracy and red tape and trying to deal with paperwork and all right, that stuff that right. wouldn't have necessarily made me happy. Um, so you know, I kind of just said, well, if I'm not gonna go to grad school and I'm not going to get into public policy or education. You know, I have my savings that I'd planned on spending on, you know, mm -hmm. grad school. So what am I going to do? And so then I said, well, I'll just buy some land and start farming. And it was literally just as naive as that. <laughs> you can sell. Yeah. You can market, but you can't farm. Right. <laughs> yeah. You've gotten a lot better. <laughs> yeah. In, in the time. But tell us about how, I mean, you went through and you knew nothing about farming. What were you doing at, at the beginning of this whole thing? Yeah, I always laugh. I mean, I, I, I look back on it. I mean, I still laugh now. Like, I have a very different struggle than traditional farmers or people that have farmed their entire lives. Right. And they know nothing but farming. Like, it's in their blood through right. and through. Um, where I, again, didn't know, I didn't know anything about farming. But right. I knew how to run a business and I knew how to sell products and I knew how to market products. And so for me, it was, you know, I had the opposite problem. Like I'm, because I have that background, I was really good at overselling myself in the beginning. I mean, that same conversation that I had with Jessica in the beginning, like, yeah, totally all in, like I can do <laughs> I this. I just have to figure out how to make yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and I still get myself in those positions all the time where now I'm like scrambling to keep up. But, right. you know, it's very different in the sense of a traditional farmer, you know, or somebody that's farmed their entire life, they're amazing. I mean, they can run circles around me and they start talking about irrigation and, 
gallons per minute from their well and I'm like glaze over still <laughs> like you know I'm still at that point but um, you know but they're, they're not necessarily always the best salespeople or the best marketers and so they can create this incredible product but they can't figure out how to sell it right. so you know it's like the thing that has kept my farm afloat and the only reason it's here is because I've been able to create that brand and, you know, have that outlet to be able to say, like, here's my brand, here's my marketing, here's my sales efforts. Um, and that obviously is what drives the revenue. So stay one chapter yeah. <laughs> ahead of your customer. Yeah. Exactly. And that brings us to our visioneer question, this segment. And visioneer Alexa asks, what are good, effective and inexpensive marketing strategies for a small business? So, I mean, there's always the given, right, that I think you can find online with like social media or email blasts. But one of the things that I found that has been most successful to us mm -hmm. are because people are buying products and it's food related, people are always looking for like recipes and mm -hmm. ideas. And so we create recipe cards um, where we'll have products and, you know, we kind of switch cut seasonally or we'll switch different things up. And when we do that, we'll say, here's a recipe, here's the card, here's everything you need from the farmer's market that you can get. So then we're supporting our other friends at the farmer's markets as well. Nice. Um, and those customers take the recipe card home and it sits on their counter or they put it on their fridge or they do whatever with it. But the thing is, is that it's in their house and so it's top of mind. And if they like the recipe because they've made it, they'll come back nice. and then they keep that recipe card. So, I mean, it's really finding anything that a customer is going to kind of keep on them or in eyesight or in reach where it has your brand, it has, you know, your logo so that you're always staying top of mind. One of the things you're also very good at is reading people. Mm. <laughs> and that's a natural talent some of us don't have. Yeah. <laughs> some of us, people skills are something that we've learned out of a book and we've learned the hard way through trial and error. Well, first of all, what are you reading right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, it's funny because one of the things I found farming is that you know, I tell people like I've become a hermit. I, you know, went from a food and beverage industry where I was super social and out every night and entertaining clients and surrounded by a huge team of people that you could, you know, go back and forth on ideas and really like brainstorm where on a farm you're alone 90% of a day, right? Just you and the chickens. Just, yeah. And so you're like, okay, I've got to find books and I've got to find podcasts. And you're constantly are searching out different things because you have to keep your mind going and stay intellectual and be challenged and so right. you know one of the things that um you know i'm constantly reading i always have like six books on my nightstand but um one of the books i think that i've read most recently that stuck with me and i actually read it last christmas and it just i can't get it out of my mind but it's talking with strangers by uh, malcolm gladwell mm. and all of his books are incredible um and i think it just really encourages me to kind of look at different situations and um, you know, forces you to think outside of the box where it's definitely uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable to think about like whether, you know, you may accidentally, you know, think a certain way because of the way that you're raised, even though you're not aware of it, or you may judge a situation and think, you know, that situation because of how you would react in that situation. But right. just because that other person doesn't react that way, um, you know, makes you kind of question, their motives or their authority or whatever it is. And so I think, 
you know, books like that, that force you to say like, let's look at the situation right? and not necessarily always the way that people are reacting. And I think that applies both to like your employees, to your consumers, to kind of your vendors, to whoever it is to always take a step back and say like, just because they're not reacting the way I want them to react or because they're maybe acting a little bit like different than I would doesn't mean that they're either lying or they're telling the truth. Like right. you need to look further into the situation. So sometimes it isn't you. Yeah. Sometimes it is them. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What is one thing that visioneers can do today to grow a strong and profitable business? It's literally finding five people that you can surround yourself by to say, you know, how can, how can I lean on you? How can you lean on me? How can we support each other in our business and our efforts? Um, you know, having people that are honestly better than you, more successful than you is like the best thing, right? Mm. Cause it encourages you to become better. Like don't surround yourself by people that aren't going to challenge you. Surround yourself by people that are going to challenge you. Right. Um, so that's the number one advice I always give anybody starting a new business. But the challenge with that for a lot of people is it requires you to think and feel and be uncomfortable with revealing who you are and things about your business that you may not want everybody to know about. Yeah, absolutely. How do you uh, overcome that? Or is it is it the people you choose to be around? Or how, how do you help find those five people? Yeah, I mean, your, I, think, I think that brings up a whole other set of like books and vulnerability and I'm sure there's people out there that know Brene Brown, who's another one of my favorite authors. Um, right. You know, and it's the whole saying that like, you can't, you can't grow and you can't expand and you can't further develop yourself without being vulnerable. Mm. Um, and you have to accept that vulnerability, which, you know, I honestly never did until recently. And I've come to accept it for what it is and learn that yeah, I can, I can put myself out there and I can say like, I may look dumb, but at the end of the day, like, whatever I'm putting myself out and whatever I'm saying to other people, they're going to offer advice. And at that point, it's up to me to choose to take it or not. Um, but until I put myself in an uncomfortable situation, then I'm just going to continue just to stay flat. Like, what's the point? Like, right. I don't want to be in this position for the rest of my life. Like, I want to be better. So. Right, right. Well, if visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, so we do have a website, of okay. course, <laughs> which is autonomyfarms.com. Uh -huh. uh, you can also shoot us an email to info at autonomyfarms.com, or you can find us on social media, both Facebook and Instagram, just under Autonomy Farms. Sounds good. Well, Meredith, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very Thank much you. for being on Small Business Celebration. This has been a real treat. So Thank great. You. I definitely appreciate the opportunity. So thanks. Now that we've entered the fourth quarter of 2020, and the economic indicators seem to be rebounding, is your balance sheet saying otherwise? What are you going to do? Who are you going to turn to? Turn to a real human being that has your business interests at heart. Turn to Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors, where a real human being will guide you with real-world expertise and a proven track record that will get your business numbers back on track. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield-ca and get your numbers up. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield-ca today.
Now that we've entered the fourth quarter of 2020 and the economic indicators seem to be rebounding, is your balance sheet saying otherwise? What are you going to do? Who are you going to turn to? Turn to a real human being that has your business interests at heart. Turn to Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors, where a real human being will guide you with real-world expertise and a proven track record that will get your business numbers back on track. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield-ca and get your numbers up. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield-ca today. Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world not as it is, but as it could be and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.